0: job interview and getting hired for a job is the purest form of a business transaction that exists. Mm-hmm. Like, I do a thing, you pay me money. The end.
1: All right. So <laughs> welcome to the Career Therapy Podcast. This is episode three with Corey. Corey, introduce yourself to the people, where you work and what you do.
0: Yeah, sure. My name's is uh, Corey Davis. I work at a company called called Infuture Data Solutions, uh, and we license uh, consumer data, and I sit in a, in a sales function.
1: Very cool, and I wanted to chat with you today because we've been friends for many years. and Unfortunately. Unfortunately, and you you are like basically the epitome of sales to me, and I work with a lot of sales folks, oh and, uh, and I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that we talk about um, that would be really useful from your ideas on how you chose your career to how you branded yourself personally and professionally around it, as well as your thoughts on money and investing and things like that. So I just kind of want to start the conversation today and learn a little bit about when did you start thinking about sales as a viable career path?
0: Um, six months after I started doing sales. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was, I was one of those kids where in college, I was one of those that was like, I'm so good at marketing. I don't have to be one of these lowly, terrible salespeople. And to a degree for a little while, that was true. Uh, And then three months after I got out of college and got the job at the big fancy agency, um, I realized I hated it. And I realized that they didn't like me very much because they fired me. Uh, And so I was out of a job. Um, and, uh, needed to find something else to do. And, you know, the only opportunities at the time were, were sales jobs. Um, so I went on a bunch of interviews and just kind of picked one. Um, and the rest is history.
1: Probably a blessing in disguise though. Looking back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A a thousand percent.
1: Yeah. I, uh, my first job out of college, I kind of wish I got fired from it. One of my things, um, one of the things I realized while I was there was I was like looking around at management and stuff. And I, I talked with like 15 people um, that were a lot older than me. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys have been working here for a while. Um, what do you think? Like, how's how I think I asked everyone the same question. I said, what are you most excited about? And it was the most depressing series of conversations <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And so um, it was one of those things where I started seeing like, oh, this is one of those companies where they don't they don't fire people. They just move them around to other parts of the company. Yeah. And I was like, God, I wish, I wish that that wasn't true because maybe I could get pushed out, but let's jump back into, you know, you, you were out of that role. You're looking for the next thing. It's all sales jobs. Yeah. What was standing out to you when you were seeing that? So,
0: I mean, I, I mean, still today and, and likely forever. Um, I, I, I'm passionate about marketing and advertising. So, um, I was able to find a couple of jobs that were selling things that were marketing and advertising products. Oh, cool. Um, So that kind of helped me narrow down the search some. And then, you know, basically the first reasonably good opportunity that popped up where they offered me a job, I took it as, as 10 years into my career. As I think about like the two kinds of sales people, I think there are those who uh, just really love to sell you know, heavily kind of money motivated and transaction focused and always, you know, that. And they'll sell anything to anybody um, because they like the activity of selling. I've always been whatever the other one is, which is, I think, uh, those who really care about the kind of product that they are selling, which then makes the actual selling part just sort of, you know, an extra piece really around spending all day, every day talking about marketing and advertising, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. And that's basically what I've been doing for 10 years. Selling marketing and advertising. Yeah. Marketing and advertising things. So it's been print advertising at the very beginning. That was that first job. Uh, Then it was websites. Then it was digital marketing programs. Keep in mind, like 2010 was when I started. So like digital marketing was not really what it is today. The internet was, you know, Felt really new then. Um, I know. Uh, I I think I was
1: at the same time doing banner ads on websites where you're just physically placing a banner
0: ad. Facebook, as we sit here today, Facebook as we sit here today is going to do roughly $70 billion in revenue this year. In 2010, they did like a billion Mm dollars in revenue. Right. So, um, so all that stuff was very new still. Um, And so it was print advertising products. Um, a little bit of digital, then it was websites, then it was software as a service, um, other digital marketing programs into now data and sort of a data as a service kind of model. What
1: was it about marketing that stood out to you? Why that industry? It's not finance. It's not, okay. Was finance like the other,
0: the only other? Yeah, I went to business school. I mean, I went to, I went to not, not mm -hmm. B school, but I went to an undergrad At a business college where it was like finance, accounting, HR, you know, management, whatever that is, uh, marketing. Yeah. Those are the options. I went to average state school. Um, and so, you know, when I ended up in the business school, it was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm not doing any of those other things. So I'll do this thing. Uh, and then through that process, I got really passionate about brand, about, you know, messaging, about, you know, controlling the share of mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, still the main thing that I think about all day. Controlling share of mind? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like Nike means something. Mm -hmm. Why? Because 40 years ago, somebody did something smart, and they kept doing it every day, everywhere you are, so that when you show up at the store, some of us just, we're just going to buy Nikes. We can't Mm -hmm. really tell you why, and that's brand.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to me to think about that because there's two things that stand out about what you're talking about that I think are really applicable to anyone who's trying to build their career. The first one is to know what, I mean, in your case, like what kind of salesperson you are, Yeah. because there are those two different kinds, but then also to narrow in on, on a field or yeah. a category. Yeah. I, I try all the time to get people to think like, Okay, you're in sales, and you like you said, there's two different kinds of salespeople. So you're in sales, and you want a job. Yeah. What kind of company do you want to sell for? Yes. And almost everyone's answer, no matter what I'm talking about, is, well, any company. Any yeah. company that would hire me to do sales. And that ends up becoming a real issue, because if they go talk to Nike, let's say, mm-hmm. and Nike says, well, why do you want to sell Nikes? Their answer is, because I want to make money. Yeah. And then Nike goes, well, good for you. So does everyone who's in right. sales. right. So, um, obviously you're in camp two, but like, what are your thoughts on those two camps? And like, how did you end up finding yourself? Did you ever think you were in camp one at any point or you always just in camp two?
0: Well, I mean, um, I don't think I really was able to understand the differences, um, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly understand the differences now and, and see them in myself and see them in my colleagues and people that I know. Uh, very much being in one or the other camp, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with either right, camp. Right, right. Um, but you have to know how to sell it. Right. But so I think there are, there's certainly the, the, the type of person who like loves, just loves selling. Like I don't love selling. I love marketing and advertising. And really I love having impact on somebody else's business. That was really the main thing early on that I figured out was that if, you, if you're a marketing person and you go work at an agency like I did, um, you work for a bunch of clients and those clients are going to do just fine whether you're helping them or not. Mm-hmm. What I figured out in, in selling, especially where I started, which is like small businesses, is if I could persuade them to do the thing that I thought was the right thing for them to do. 12 months from now, when I came back, their business could be dramatically improved. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically if I could get them to trust me um, through actually like really know what I was knowing, what I was talking about and really caring and not just being there for the deal, for the money, Mm -hmm. for the contract, um, then ultimately that would feed into like a forever reputation and brand and whatever. Um, that is repeatable.
1: yeah I think I think there's so many parallels between the sales process and the job search process yes. that are really interesting. And I feel like you and I've had conversations in mm-hmm. the past about like going in the room and like knowing you're gonna change this person's mind or like being able to get in their head or almost like mind control them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of curious like when you think about that that approach to convincing someone, Mm-hmm. approach like what i say to people is they say how should i answer these questions how should i answer yeah. the question tell me about yourself how should i answer the question why sales how should i answer the question you know a- any question that comes up and i always say well what are they really asking yep. you and yep. so for something like tell me about yourself there's a lot of ways you can interpret that most yeah. people interpret it as here is the linear progression of all the things i've done all the places i've lived The places I've gone to school and the things that I've done since I was born. And I'm like, unless you went to DePaul, you're not going to care that Mm -hmm. I went to DePaul. Mm -hmm. Unless you grew up in Arlington Heights, you're not going to care I grew up in Arlington Heights. So what are they really asking? And in my mind, what helps me is thinking, oh, they're lazy and they don't know how to start an interview. (laughs) So what they're saying is, hey, I don't know how to start this conversation. Can you start it for me? And then you get to choose what kind of a tone and topic you want to start the conversation with. But I'm kind of curious in your mind, whether it's sales or the job search or whatever it might be, how do you get into the mind of someone and how do you like understand what is needed to convince someone?
0: I listen. Full stop. Uh, that's it. Um, oh, that's the podcast, people. Yeah. So I don't uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, so. You said persuade earlier, which I don't. I understand that I said it earlier also. I think convinced. I, I don't, I don't yes. like that concept mm-hmm. because basically the way that I view selling is if I'm in a room talking to somebody who uh, – if I'm in a room talking to somebody that shouldn't buy my thing, um, then I'm about to leave that room. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a good idea for them to buy my thing, um, then like they're going to basically have to remove me from the room, <laughs> I'm not that aggressive, but they're basically <laughs> going to have to like really try hard to convince me mm-hmm. why they can't buy it. Um, because I think, you know, in the sales process, along with in the interview and finding a job process, like so much more work needs to be done at the beginning in the sort of qualifying stage before you're really even talking to anybody or before at least you're going to a second interview or a second sales meeting or a second whatever. Um, Cause I think that's where a lot of people get caught is um, because they don't have that, like to, to me, they are a hundred percent, the exact same thing. Like, job interview and getting hired for a job is the purest form of a business transaction that exists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I do a thing, you pay me money at the end. Uh, so they are exactly the same thing. And so if you're not very good at generating the opportunities to like have a job interview mm-hmm. or have a sales opportunity, whatever, um, then you're going to have to chase the stuff that you're not really super excited about that the person that's interviewing you is not sure that you're the right fit for. So really for me, the focus is heavily qualify and then talk to everybody like, and, and have that, like that initial prospecting activity be so much better and so much more detailed and stand out so substantially from everybody else that I get a lot of potential opportunities, Mm -hmm. which then gives me the flexibility to tell people no, yeah. when I can see that it's not a good fit, both in selling and in getting a job. Yeah, I like how you phrase that. So
1: getting interviewing and getting a job is the purest form of a business transaction.
0: It is. Yeah, Like as an employee, like there is someone, there is a CFO somewhere at every single company who looks at you, not hating on you CFOs, but this is the reality. <laughs> who looks at you as a number and as a service and they pay you every two weeks. It's called your salary to keep doing that service. And every once in a while you won't do well and you won't be worth the two weeks, but they'll keep you around. And then sometimes you'll do really well and you'll be worth more than the two weeks worth. Like, and then the minute that that's like not a good idea for the business, you're out. And, or by the way, the minute that you're, doing too well for the number that they're paying you here comes the promotion the raise or you're leaving to for something better it's the purest form of business transaction that exists yeah and no one talks about it no one talks about it we're talking about it here and but i agree with you 100
1: because i feel like i talk to people every day and this is probably something that's gonna equally annoy you as much as it annoys me is this uh i i got my education where's my job mindset mm. Mm -hmm. And, um, it kind of drives me nuts because people don't think about the job search as a business transaction, as a pure, like as a, an exchange of anything. They think of it as you giving me the thing that I need Mm -hmm. to solve my problem of not being employed. Yeah. And there, I, we got into a deep discussion during a a recent meetup where I was like, you got to kill this quote unquote job seeker mindset. The job seeker mindset is I don't have a job. I'm desperate for a job. Can you give me a job? And I think Mm -hmm. when you go into an interview with that mindset and probably the same as sales, if you go in and you're like, we need your money for our business to grow. They're gonna be like, well, I'm not going to just give you my money for your business. I'm giving you money so that my business can grow. Every single person who's hiring is hiring because they have a problem. So we have to identify that problem. And then I ask everyone, well, what problem do you solve? And they're like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> right. what problem are you solving? Right. No, I need a job. Right. No, people don't just have money lying around. There's yep. no magic money wand. Yep. And so this idea of like, we, I used to phrase it, or I was phrasing it the other day as um, the consulting mindset versus the job seeker mindset. The consultant says, I'm already doing this work. Mm-hmm. Your business has these problems. My work solves those problems, yep. helps your business. We can work together. Yeah. So I'd love to do what I'm already doing for you. Mm-hmm. A job seeker says, "I've got nothing going on."
0: Yeah. Can you fix that for me?
1: Yeah. And so I'm curious what that might spark in your head.
0: Um. So in in selling, to me, uh, and I think to a lot of people, the most dangerous um, kind of salesperson is the desperate salesperson. Um. So the person who uh, doesn't have what they want to have and need to have and whatever um, we'll go and try to chase any sort of deal that's even a sliver of a chance of mm-hmm. happening. To me, it's the same idea in finding a job because again, they're the same thing. Um, so that's why my focus in both things has always been on, let me just generate a ton of opportunities because that feeds a little bit more confidence in myself, um, a little bit of recognizing like this isn't a great fit for them, for me, for whatever, um, so that I can throw stuff away like in my day-to-day job or for somebody looking to, to get a job. Like um, because the more opportunities you have, the more come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like that's hard to, to, to shift your mindset towards that but you know like you are not entitled to a job like you could have gone to college you could have gone to like lots of college and lots of cool grades and whatever but like tough, cool grades <laughs> tough, like right which i think is you know i don't want to razz the group too hard but like that's the that's the like, it's entitlement. Like, everybody mm-hmm. just feels like they are they are owed something, and they're not.
1: Right. Well, and I think that's the trick of education in some ways, too. Yeah. Because, like, they're like, well, if you just get a degree, you'll get a job. And then you get the degree, and you don't get the job. And you're like, I was lied to. No, yep. you didn't do your market research well enough. Yeah. And And I think that there's an interesting thing when someone doesn't get a job, and they go get more education, and then more education, yeah. they productively procrastinate their way into – Incredible amounts of debt, but yes, um, when it comes to generating opportunities, I think that's such an interesting phrase. And I think it's one that people think, okay, all I need to do is go online, send out a bunch yeah. of stuff into LinkedIn, Ugh. or all I need to do is go hit my email list and tell all these people to that. My product is for sale now or whatever the thing yeah. might be. What is, how do you generate opportunities in both sales at work?
0: Um, so really my focus uh especially you know in the last several years, but but sort of all ha- always has been be where the buyer is and interact with them in the way that they want to interact. So now in you know, as my career has evolved, um, as I've gotten a little bit more senior, like I'm still not very senior, but as I've progressed, um I, I can actually be a little bit closer to a peer um, to the people that I'm working with mm-hmm. and selling to, um, which means that um, I can have a different kind of relationship with them, which means like I can send somebody a text on a Saturday. Um, I can follow them on Instagram. Like I can, I, which is, which has been a fun and is good, that new? Is that like yeah. fairly fresh? I think, and I think it's my own. It was my own insecurities for a long time because now I feel like I've I've sort of reached whatever the arbitrary level is where I don't actually have to be. I don't have to hide my personal self in the way that I did when when I was younger. Because when I was younger, I was young, like you know, I was doing all the things that four <laughs> year olds do, right? And so now I'm like an adult. Adult, like a real adult mm-hmm. and it's less embarrassing to live online. And so it's like, Oh, like I'm like, I'm really a professional and I'm really like, I'm, I'm reasonably credible and like, Oh, and by the way, I'm honest and trustworthy and like, I can just be myself. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, working hours or, or not, um, which then gives me, the right that I try to earn of like sending somebody a text on a Saturday um, or, or, you know, it not being weird when I follow them on Instagram. Um, you know, because, mm-hmm. because I think some of the time they view me as maybe not a peer, but close enough, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. You
1: it, it almost like I heard something recently, maybe it was in like the, um, steal like an artist or something it's like the power of being boring and like having a really boring life that's just kind of allows you to do the work you want to do mm-hmm. um i feel like everyone i don't know there's this general sense and everyone's always talking about how social media makes us all anxious and and like comparative yeah. and all these different things yep. and you see all these people traveling the world living in vans or whatever the hell uh-huh. they're doing and i'm like uh, Sunday morning, I woke up, I made coffee, and I meditated, and I sat around, and I watched like an architecture video, and then I came up yeah. with ideas for course I'm building. Yeah, I like, mean, I think, yeah,
0: I mean, I think uh, a lot of the, the noise um, is really just, uh, it takes every individual time to mature out of that mattering. Some people, it happens when they're 13, mm-hmm. some people, it happens when they're 50, Uh, whatever. But I think like as a, you know, if you're trying to establish yourself in a, in a business setting as a professional, whatever, like you just start to like, I would agree a boring life to me. That's like a, that's like a peaceful life. That's like a, I'm, I have clear thoughts. I'm like doing the things that I care about that matter to me, that matter to my family, that matter to my personal, like whatever. Um, and I'm not worried about anything else that anybody else is doing or not doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I, I, just think comes with maturity. Yeah. Do you think that there's
1: anything that for folks who are trying to seek that clarity, right? Um, was it, was there anything that you came across that like helped you push through some walls along the way? Or was it just time and patience?
0: Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think really for me, like the 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 main driver that got me really intrigued by selling um, early in my career was I got to start fresh with every person. They had no idea who I was. They had no preconceived notions, good or bad, um, which meant I w- had full right to absolutely completely fail and embarrass myself and look like an idiot or for them to trust me and like kind of think that i was an okay person and that i actually had something good that i was talking about that would actually help them um and either path i found what's actually fine for me uh, or somewhere in the middle was fine for me because i had the shot of you know actually creating from scratch somebody's opinion of me, Mm. Um, which was something that growing up and whatever, I didn't have the luxury of. Um, Small town, like had a certain kind of reputation, all those sorts of of things. So, you know, by the time I was in middle school, like everybody had this preconceived notion of who I was and or wasn't. uh, And I didn't. That bothered me a lot. Um, So by the time I got out of college and was trying to make my own way, that was something that i really like, which is still probably the thing that drives me a lot today is that every new person that I get to interact with, like for the most part, they don't know anything about me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is just this liberating feeling um, that I can like be myself and be a good dude who cares and wants to help them and, also has this thing to sell them because yeah. I think it's a good idea and like you better buy it or I'm not leaving or whatever.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think I think it's really helpful to hear that because when we go into a sales meeting or an interview or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, we know who we are yeah and we know our past and we know all our flaws
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's one that comes up I think in like the question of, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. I think a lot of times people go like, oh fuck, I need to, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on my own podcast. This You're totally allowed. I haven't decided
0: You're yet. You're in charge.
1: Uh, uh, we're allowed to swear on this podcast. All right. So I just remember like,
0: this just got a lot more fun. It's
1: got a lot more fun. Uh, we're going to be throwing this <laughs> shit. And uh, so um, I was talking to someone and they're like, I feel like I'm lying when I answer this question. Mm. And I feel like a lot of, times in sales, people feel that way too, because maybe they're selling something that is going to exist or something that's new to them that they don't know all the ins and outs of. Mm. I'm sure there's a million different insecurities that pop up in sales as yeah. well. Um, and so one of the hacks that I found for s- selling your own strengths and weaknesses is to either reach out to old managers if you have good relationships with them and say like, hey, what were they? Like my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And they'll just say, here you go. And you can say, well, my past managers have told me These are my strengths and weaknesses or to take like a Myers-Briggs personality test and be like, according to this, there's a website called 16personalities.com. Like according to this test, Mm -hmm. they say that my strengths and weaknesses are this. I agree with these ones for these reasons. Yeah, And I'm just kind of curious, have you over the years as you've gone from like someone who is currently feeling like you're on a peer with the people you're selling with. Sort of. Sort of. yeah. And that past where you didn't have that that sort of security, what has changed in how you've approached maybe your own confidence in these conversations, like, like hacking your own confidence or, or convincing yourself of a new mindset that works better or something
0: like that? Um, I would say my, my thinking is longer term. Um, I, I, I think I've always been kind of a long-term thinker. Like I think even at 22, 23, I thought about the very long term. Like the like when I was like when I was 22, I was thinking about when I'm going to be 82. Yeah. Um, but I think over time that has become clearer to me, and I can really act on the long term, um, which is compounded interest. I mean, it's just like, um, it's such an easy concept to like talk about. Um, it's really hard to act on it in the moment, but it always works. Always, 100% of the time. It's just, it's really hard to like, because you got some CFO somewhere, writing you a check, right? Like every two weeks and there's this transaction. Yeah. So you gotta perform and do your thing in the short term. Um, But to be able to do that and keep that person happy while still thinking about your own career and, you know, how you represent the company and whatever else for the very long term, Mm -hmm. um, that that has paid huge dividends for me. That's awesome. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And thinking long term, it's like, who was I chatting with? I was chatting with someone recently and I was like they're trying to figure out what the next step is in their career. And they're actually trying to get out of sales. So they're currently in sales and they're like, maybe marketing is better for me. So the exact opposite Mm. uh, trajectory. And I was telling them about account management and what that might look like versus what they're currently doing. And they were saying like, Oh yeah, you know, I just, I'm trying to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to make these moves quick because, or no, they were actually taking their time. And so I was like, well, yeah, you've got 50 to 60 years left. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, I'm not in any rush to leave this company. I'm like, but you will someday. Yeah. Like, don't like when we think I'm not in a rush to do X, Y, or Z. It's like, you might not be in a rush, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. But you should be thinking about it. Yes. You should be thinking about what happens if this company lays me off. Yeah. You should be thinking about what happens if this role is no longer necessary or I do something wrong, or um, I just need to move on because it's been 10 years. Yeah. I talked with someone recently who's in their late 50s. And they're dealing with ageism and a bunch of other things going on. And he goes, I go, what advice do you have for people who are in the class that are way younger than you? And he goes, Uh, I joined a company, I was there for 25 years, and I just only learned what they told me to learn. And I was like, Mm -hmm.
0: It's the
1: worst. And so I actually have this um this grid of a hundred circles on my whiteboard at home. And I filled in the first 30, and I'm in 31 right now. Okay. And I'm like, there's a lot of damn circles left. Yeah. And I've only Really been productive in like six of these circles, right? <laughs> so like the first ten are nothing, the second uh-huh. ten are a mess. Yep. Half of the fir- half of the th- uh, the twenties were a yep. mess, and so I'm like, okay, so there is. If I could do that much in one circle, think of how much I can do in the next forty circles, and mm-hmm. it, it really does help put things into perspective. Yep. Um, when you're thinking long term, what are your thoughts around your? like reputation or your personal brand? Cause you have that marketing mindset and you have that yeah. kind of long-term thing. And I want to bring up what you said about Nike, you're yeah. like someone many years ago made a strong decision yep. that has rippled out. Yep. So what are some of the things that you think you're either doing or want to do or have done with your personal brand that are going to have amazing ripples?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's just for me uh, it's just like be yourself. Like I actually think that the thing I sell now and the five things I sold before this are a good idea to the people I'm selling it to a hundred percent of the time. And if it's not a good idea, I'll just tell them like, cause there's plenty of fish in the sea as yeah. they say. Right. So, so to me, like it's really just, it's kind of a compounding interest on, man, this guy is saying the same damn thing every day. And he's been saying it for years and years and years. Like that, I don't have to say anything new for that to be a unique brand. Yeah. Like like to be 22 and 23 and going to a bunch of these sales meetings by myself, you know, selling to small business people who it was, they were basically like more than a few times, people that eventually bought from me told me I'm taking this money out of my kid's college fund to give it to you to buy this thing. You only have to have that happen one time when you're 22 before you're like, Oh man, this is like a big thing. Like this matters. Mm -hmm. And so like being honest and authentic and passionate and the output of that being persuasive, um, And only ever being that and only ever using this, whatever the skill is that I have for good, not for bad, uh, matters. And, and I think the longer that you can go keeping that, that reputation, um, being a good dude who, you know, is authentic, Mm -hmm. the more it feeds the next thing. Uh, and the thing after that, and the 15 things after that, um, Yeah. And then
1: that idea of using it for good and not for evil, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's funny. I had a conversation with a really good buddy when I was working at a credit card company and I'm like, I don't know, man, I think credit card debt is horrible Mm -hmm. and we're selling stuff that I know is messing up people's lives. Yeah. And he, he turns to me and he goes, what are you talking about? I use credit cards to finance my business and it has been an incredible thing that I was able to do and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. So there are many ways to view everything, right? Yeah. It's not just one way. Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> a lot of folks are under pressure from in, in the sales world. Yeah. To to do let's say shady practices yeah. in order to make sales. Have you ever come across a situation like that? And like did you how did you respond to it? Maybe if you want to talk about someone else, not personally, feel
0: free. Uh yeah. I mean, I think um I think that is a extremely regular occurrence. Um, you know, but thankfully for me, I've always been hardworking enough and talented enough that, um, I could just basically say no. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. especially people that I worked for. um, But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that person cares about selling and conversions and money. Um, And so I think, I think you can be completely a thousand percent honest and authentic every single day, all day and do extremely well in a sales role. You have to be really hardworking and reasonable talented and passionate about the thing you're doing to actually make that work if not you're gonna fall into the trap of lying and you know yeah. whatever Stretching. yeah I mean like it's hard to sell and sell a lot and do well while still being true and authentic and honest and and passionate about your thing yeah um, but it, it can be done I know lots of people that do it mm-hmm. every day. Um, Yeah,
1: one of the things that pops
0: into mind is this uh,
1: expression, the kind no. Um, I think like this honesty thing, there's so many people out there saying just be yourself, be honest. Yeah. Right. And then there's the joke. Well, what if you're an asshole? (laughs) It's like, well, shit. (laughs) Um, And so one of the things that I find so interesting is is like. Honesty without kindness or without understanding or whatever word you want to put in there. Um, honesty without tact
0: yep.
1: is not a good thing. Yep. It's actually a hurtful thing in most cases in interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. or it can be damaging to your business mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, you have to be honest and helpful or honest and like informative. Has there been any situation where someone's tried to be honest with you in a business sense or in a, that, mm-hmm. that it hasn't yeah. gone well and what could they have done better?
0: Um... Well, so I would say the, the most common thing based on my personality type, I think is the same thing and my way of going about selling uh, a very common thing that I deal with, um, is, you know, in, in sales, the, the common things are like, who is the decision maker? What is the budget? When would you like to buy this thing? Right? Those are the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also exactly the same thing for interviewing for a job. Right. Um, what is common, I think, probably because my output is pretty passionate and pretty excited and engaging, reasonably engaging. Uh, I think what happens sometimes is somebody who's not a decision maker will they will stretch the truth and say, "Yes, I'm the decision maker," because somehow they don't want to like let me down. Mm-hmm. Like they think that that's letting me down to just tell the truth which is not something that I've fully figured out yet. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, that's a scenario where I will get frustrated because I came with 100% truth and just like, tell me like whatever, like tell me no, just tell me uh, kind of thing. And, and so, but that's, that's, it's my job to pull that out of them and get Mm -hmm. them to feel comfortable. So it's a hundred percent on me that they did that. Um, it's a very common thing that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest, um, reason that sometimes that I don't sell something I'm trying to sell is they're, they're afraid to like, let me down, which causes them to, to not tell the whole truth.
1: I see that a lot in the job search too, where companies will say, you know, you don't get the job. Yes. All right. We're not yeah. going with you. Yes. Even though they just spent the last five interviews telling you how much they loved you mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. And so they don't know how to tell you no. Yep. So they send you the form email, even though you've invested yep. 40 plus hours into this, which honestly isn't that much to be mm-hmm. if you're thinking about it. But um, I actually had a situation. Uh, well, so, so many people I work with complain like I'm being honest, but they're not or. I'm being kind, but they're being jerks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or um, they're they're uh, how did someone put it? They had a good way of putting it. But um, one of the things that I'm trying to practice and teach in the job search is this like extreme empathy yep. of like if they don't get back to you, the first react There's three ways we can react. The first way is the worst possible interpretation of that situation. The second way is the most neutral way. And the third way is the most positive way. Mm -hmm. So this person didn't respond to my email. It's because they hate me and I suck and they think I'm the worst and I bothered them. The neutral way is this person didn't get back to me because they just didn't get back to me. Mm -hmm. And the best way is I'm sure this person has a lot going on Mm -hmm. and they meant to get back to me, but they didn't. Yeah. And so we always want to be as close to the positive side as possible. Um, And I had a situation once where I got I had an interview. They asked to reschedule, I gave them times, and then I got ghosted for two months. Yep. And then they came back to me and they're like, hey, can you jump on a call tomorrow? Right. And I'm like, and and this is what someone said in a, in a meetup. They're like, they're always taking so long and I always have to react fast. What the hell is that about? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you are on their timeline because yeah. they have the money. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I was like, okay, whatever. I'm gonna go along with it. And I've done work with that company. And what I found is that that person actually struggles with anxiety like extreme mm-hmm. medicated anxiety so i'm like oh this had nothing to do with right. me yep. this was a hundred percent to do with their own anxiety and like at one point they came to me and they're like can you help me like tell this person no and i was like oh you really have trouble telling yeah. people no and like all these things kind of, you, you sort of realize it. And so I just assume everyone is dealing with some sort of disorder <laughs> so that I can like have extreme, well, and, it's better than thinking everyone's a jerk.
0: Yeah. Know? Well, and I would also say, uh, yes, I think that's, that's good to um, to understand that you don't understand everything that's going on with somebody else. Um, I would also add though, that my belief would be in, in selling or in getting a job that it's, on the seller or the interviewee Mm -hmm. uh, to understand all that. Like that company that you're trying to get the job at or that person you're trying to get as your new customer, they don't owe you anything. Right. So it's 100% your job to figure that out and understand that. So like me saying like, yeah, I think lots of people sometimes – you know, feel like they're letting they're letting me down. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get ghosted or something will change or whatever. Um, like that's my job to have that happen one time, learn from it, and the next time try to adjust. Yeah. Um, with that new knowledge, and that new understanding and that new experience.
1: Yeah. And don't be like one person that uh, I talked to who called them, emailed them called them again, emailed mm-hmm. them again, went to the company, tried to get into the lobby, got taken up by security.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't
1: do those things. Yeah. That's just not a good look. Not, a good, not look. a good look. No. Um, and not that good goes, I, be, I think, back to that desperate salesperson. Like yes. We, we, yes. Every time you don't hear back, you should take as an opportunity to go talk to someone else. And i think that's a really important thing so as we get into the final uh you know 15 10 minutes of this of this conversation i wanted to talk a little bit about money and dollar dollar bills y'all because um in both sales and in in the career it's i just love all the parallels between sales and career by the way but um in both sales and career money is such a touchy subject yeah and I'm kind of curious. You've always had such an interesting mindset around money and how to use it. And I've I've recently talked with some folks who I think have very skewed versions of what money means. Um, to give an example, I was talking with someone, and they said they want to make six figures, and I was like, okay. And they said what they're currently making, which is you know just you know double digits an hour, and I go, that's a long way that we got to conversation. First of all, you don't know what you like to do or want to do. Yeah. Just make six figures. And I go, why six figures? And they talked about uh, housing and they talked about how much money the median houses cost to buy. And they talked about the Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And I go, yeah, but if you don't even know what kind of value you provide people to expect six figures of value back from people and going back for a conversation earlier was they are giving you that money because you're giving them more value in return yeah. yep and and when we think about money as something that we deserve or something that we just want because we yeah. need it to live it, it removes that part of the conversation and so I just feel like there's a lot of weird views on money and yeah I myself am st- and trying to always like what how do you price things how do you yeah how do you get how do you figure out like what this person can afford versus that person? And I don't know. I, I just sort of want to open up the idea of money and negotiations, and I'll, I'll start it with negotiations. Yeah. In a negotiation, people are like, well, I want to make, let's say, 80K. Yeah. And I go, no, no, no. What does this role earn? Yeah. Not what do you want to make? What does this role earn? If you were to hire someone for this job, what would you pay them if you were in the company's shoes? Yeah. That helps alleviate a lot of stress. And so kind of separating our identity from the dollar is where I've started to break this apart. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on it.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, first, like any dollar like is like it's arbitrary. So like, um, Every single time that you're talking about money, like you have an idea of what that amount of money represents and that person very much has a different idea of what that amount of money represents. A hundred percent of the time that you're talking to somebody about a job, they make more money than whatever they're talking to you about. hundred percent of the time right you're not you're that's really interesting right? i've never thought about it yeah. that way 100% yeah 100 percent of the time you've never negotiated for a job against somebody who makes less money than you or the same as what they're offering never it doesn't exist right because that's a hiring man that's likely pretty much it's going to be your boss yeah right you're that's who you're talking to Hopefully. about. Hopefully it's not like an HR person. If, if it's an HR person, or I have you're no in, idea. I have nothing to offer to that because anyway, that's yeah. never happened to me yeah. once. You're talking to your boss, your future boss, you, that person's boss. The VP, someone some, on the Somebody team, yeah. up higher in the org, which means that they made more money. So $80,000 might be more money than you've ever made. It's likely less money than they've made in 10 years. So $85,000 would be a big deal to you. They were going to give you 90 Mm -hmm. because that's just 10,000 bucks to the guy who makes 200, right? Mm -hmm. Who cares? We like this guy. He's the right candidate. it's $10,000 because we're getting 150,000 of value out of him. Anyways, if this is the right candidate and this is the one that's going to fit this function, that's $150,000 worth of value. So as long as this guy over here that pays gets paid 200 grand gets less than $150,000 for you, the service, then he won the negotiation. Yeah. So I, to me, it's like, it's the value piece. And then it's also like, as I think about negotiation um, more in my day to day, like I haven't negotiated a job in a long time. Uh, But as I think about it in my day to day, I had a conversation on Twitter uh, the other day with a very successful person. Um, shouts out, uh, (laughs) he knows who he is. Um, and there was like a conversation about like negotiation and how you handle it. So like when I am negotiating deals here, I'm thinking about the four or five possible things that both sides want. And then I am attaching dollar figures to each one of those things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're a high growth company we care about partnering with our customers on things like marketing and doing long-term deals and a certain committed revenue number and we want to sign by a certain date okay those are the things that i care about what do they care about uh they want to try it out for 90 days don't try it (laughs) (laughs) out. don't do it they want to they want to do this or that whatever they have whatever they care about and then i'm For the negotiation conversation, I'm putting all that on a page, on a slide, Mm -hmm. we're talking about it in a room, on a whiteboard, whatever, and we're just coming to a a number together that I'm comfortable, that the team that I work with is comfortable, and that the customer is comfortable with. I think it's the same exact thing when you're getting a job, like the how much vacation time and how good your benefits are and what your 401k match is going to be, and what your start date's going to be, and your job title. Those those are all things that are part of it. That are part of it. It's not just the number, right? Because maybe they pay you twice as much money as you thought you wanted, but if it's not the job that you wanted, then what the hell is the point? Exactly. Um, and by the way, if they pay you twice as much, then you're probably in a job that's over your head and you Probably won't do well. I hope you do, but you probably won't do well, which then means three months from now, you're going to need to find it. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And then I think it's so good to think about too, because, right, if you're talking about Mm $80,000, another five or another 10 is a small percentage of that 80. And like, it's a small percentage of like the bigger picture. And I think like a lot of people just get caught up in these tiny details that really like I I had someone who wanted to walk away from a job because they weren't going to go up an extra 2000. Yeah. And I was like 2000, you can't find 2000 somewhere else in your life and
0: like help yourself like move to the next level. Yeah. That, that to me, that just sounds like somebody with too much pride. So, I mean, if you really want the extra $2,000, you should have 15 steps before went out and prospected harder to generate more opportunities to have a competing offer. Yeah just an idea because your dad told you you have to make a certain amount of money. Like, like, that's just nonsense.
1: It's nonsense. As we kind of come to the end here, I am really just, I want to, I want to pick your brain to use the worst phrase in a podcast ever. But um, if we were to time travel back to the early twenties, your early twenties, not the 1920s. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And you that was my 1920s accent. I loved it. It was great. You should shoot up a bank. Um and you got little Corey over here. Yeah. And he's looking at you with these big bug eyes, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, I'm about to go start, I'm gonna get one of these sales jobs, you know, yeah. I gotta yeah. figure it out. Yeah. What do you say to that guy?
0: Uh be yourself. Work hard and it'll all be fine. Uh you know, you're you know, like I to me like like, self-belief, like, self-confidence, um, like, plus a bunch of work ethic um, is, to me, is the only way I could ever do this. The only way. Like, um, and just, like, uh, closing out all the noise uh, has been very, very effective for me. Closing out the noise. Yeah. I really yeah. think that's an effective tip, especially
1: for folks who are just, like, yeah, I get it. But like, how do I do it? And it's that noise, right? The voices around you.
0: Like, I think if, if you're trying to find a job and you don't have the email address of the CEO of every single company you're trying to get a job at, you are doing something wrong. Like if you're not emailing that person of like, yo, by the way, at six o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night when they actually will see the email. Yep. Uh, or Saturday or whatever. Like don't send it at two o'clock in the afternoon. On a Friday. Yeah. No one's looking at that. Yo, saw that you like golf. Uh, check your, uh, office gift box in four days. I sent you some, a club. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Club sandwich? uh, What a weird. Uh, (laughs) saw this job posting. Uh, think I fit this in these six ways probably a little weak in this way over here that you're asking about real confident that I could learn that in six months on the job. Um, Can I come in for an interview in three days at this time, this time, this time, or this time? Yeah. Why? Because nobody does that. No one. So you could be the least talented, dumbest person on earth. If you do that, you will sometimes stand out and at least get in the room. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to execute. Like you just have to show up and like prove to that person that you're not completely full of shit. And you will get the job. It's the end.
1: And can you explain that this is not, quote unquote,
0: bothering people? Which is no. what the excuse is that I hear all the time. No. here's And you know why it's not bothering people? Because that CEO did the exact same thing 30 years ago. That's how they got to that job because they were willing to do the things that nobody else was doing. They were willing to step outside and try something unique, Mm -hmm. not something more even like, I'm not telling you to work more, right? I I work more, but like, you don't have to just be unique, stand out. Cause that's how you get away from the apply on a website to some empty portal where no one's even looking at your resume in the first place. Like you have to stand out. So it's an email at a weird hour directly to the CEO with, here's what I can do. And when can I talk to you? Or it's a following somebody on Instagram or tweeting at somebody or getting a connection in through your, whatever. Um, those are the things that help you stand out.
1: Especially if you're going into sales, you need to learn how to do that stuff. Exactly. Anyway, uh, clear bit connect, uh, not sponsoring this video, but a great place to find people's email addresses if you're interested. Uh, and it's free, but, um, that's awesome. I, I very much agree with that. And I think I think this idea of just like being afraid to go talk to people, it's like you are there to help. That's it. Yep. You're not there to, to con them out of money. And if you're there to help, you're on the right track. I had mm-hmm. a student who did that. She just pinged the CEO of a startup. She said, I just applied for this role. He said, we got 250 applications yeah. yesterday. Thank you so much for messaging me. Yep. Cause I can just bring you in right now and we yep. can hopefully yep. not look at the rest of them. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Corey, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, thanks for having career me career therapy podcast, episode three. Um, if people want to find you yeah. and learn more or follow your journey to, uh, we didn't get to talk about your investments, which mm. I, gosh, I really wanted to, but we got into some really good stuff. Otherwise I'll come back. Uh, we'll, we'll have a part two about how to invest in the future. Um, uh, but how can people follow along or
0: find you? Uh, so, uh, the company I work for, Infutor Data Solutions, is hiring. So, any of those hey. sales folks, um, you know, entry level, more senior, whatever it is, uh, along with product and marketing and tech and all those things, Corey Davis at infutor.com. Wow, well, put uh, the email right yeah. out there. Uh, and hit me up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an email address away, uh, just like. Every other CEO, every other fancy person you want to think you want to talk to, they're all just one touch away. I love it. Reach out. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me.